The backstory of Nehemiah is that God basically told his people, I want you to obey and I want you to worship me. Unfortunately, they didn't obey and they didn't worship God. And so God allowed the Babylonians to come in and to destroy and demolish everything that mattered to the people. The Babylonians wiped out the temple. They destroyed the walls. They burned most of the city and took God's people into captivity. Nehemiah 1 says, Hananiah, one of my brothers came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. And they said to me, things are not going good well for those who returned to the province of Judah. They're in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, I fasted, and I prayed to the God of heaven. They are discouraged, they're embarrassed, they're humiliated, and things aren't going anywhere. And suddenly, God gives one man, Nehemiah, what I'm going to call a divine burden. He looks on, even from another city, and says, you know what, this is, this is not okay with me. This is, this is God's place. We are God's people. We are not going to allow this to happen anymore. As long as I'm alive, I'm going to stand for this. There's something in your life when you look on and you think, I'm not okay with this. Because as a Jesus follower and because of the heart of God, I can't just sit by and let this injustice prevail. There may be something in your life where you, you look on and you say, somebody's got to do something about this. At some point you think, this somebody has to be me. Your divine burden often reveals your divine direction. Your divine burden, that which your heart aches on behalf of God, often reveals something that God wants to do. I don't know what it is and what that might be for you. This is what happened to Nehemiah. What do you do when you have this kind of burden? What's interesting to me is that when you look at Nehemiah, he was the least likely to be able to build the wall. If you don't know, the job, his job was to be a cupbearer. What I mean is you understand a cupbearer is not someone who is in construction. He was not a general contractor. A cupbearer, if you don't know, is basically he provided wine for the king. And when he provided wine for the king, he would take a sip to make sure that that wine wasn't poisoned. And if it was poison, the cupbearer would pass out, would die potentially. So Nehemiah was the cupbearer for the king. That is not a prerequisite for somebody to rebuild walls. He was not called to rebuild walls. He was the cupbearer in the province of, of Judah. You know, loving, serving the king. And in doing that, He's not qualified to rebuild walls. Here's this guy who doesn't seem prepared, yet God burdens him. God gives him a burden to do something. And instead of saying, who am I? The first thing Nehemiah does is he prays. Verse five of chapter one says, then I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of unfailing love with those who love him and obey his commands. Listen to my prayer. Look down and see me, praying night and day for your people, Israel. I confess 
that we have sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. Verse 11, oh Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those of us who delight in honoring you. Please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Put it in his heart to be kind to me. In those days, I was the king's cupbearer. What's the first thing you do when your burden starts moving you in a direction? You take it before the Lord in prayer. He says, God, give me favor before the king. He goes before the king and says, I know this sounds crazy, but would you bless me to leave where I am, Susa, and travel 850 miles to Jerusalem? A cupbearer and try to start a project that would rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and redeem the reputation of our God amongst the nations? Would you give me this favor? The king is moved by the heart of God and he says yes to Nehemiah. The second thing he does is he, weep, he wept over the ruins. He prayed until God gave him a plan. He didn't just pray. He received a plan to go before the king because he asked for favor with this man. He prayed desperately because he knew he would have to put his life on the line. Not only did he pray, not only did he weep, he confessed his sins. He identified with the people who had sinned, just like Daniel did in his prayers. We need to be honest if we want to receive the blessing and the protection of the Lord. Ezekiel 22:30 says it this way. I look for someone who might rebuild the wall of righteousness that guards the land. I searched for someone to stand in the gap in the wall so I wouldn't have to destroy the land, but I found no one. Nehemiah got a plan and he had a vision. This is the reason Nehemiah 2 says this in verse 16. The city officials did not know I had been out there or what I was doing, for I had not yet said anything to anyone about my plans. I had not yet spoken to the Jewish leaders, the priests, the nobles, the officials, or anyone else in the administration. But now I said to, to them, you know very well what trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire. Let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and end this disgrace. Then I told them about how the gracious hand of God had been on me and about the, my conversation with the king. Your story, it proves the grace of Jesus, the favor of God, the blessings of God. What are you prepared to do right now? Nehemiah says, I've gone to the king. I've asked for him to, to bless us. I've evaluated the walls. I've told the priests, the, the leaders of Jerusalem, it's time that we end this disgrace. Nehemiah is so burdened that he's saying, I'm willing to put my, my comfort of my former job, the comfort of serving the king, and I'm willing to go back to Jerusalem. And I'm willing to end this disgrace. I'm willing to be burdened. I'm willing to, to rebuild this wall, even though I'm not qualified. I, I don't, I've not prepared for this, but I know what God is speaking. He got a plan, he has a vision, and this is the reason Nehemiah 4, 6 says, so we rebuilt the wall till all it, of it had reached half its height, for the people worked with all their heart. The New Living says it this way, at last the wall was completed to half its height around the entire city, for the people had worked with enthusiasm. King James says, and the people had a mind to work. 
You have to have a mind to work before you can work. We have to set our hearts to expand and get ready for what God wants to do. The people didn't let the opposition stop them. As soon as you make a commitment, this isn't something that we can take lightly. This is something that we have to allow God to burden us with so that we can continue to do what God has asked us to do. Nehemiah and the people experienced opposition. I would say, if anything, we all will experience opposition. I've heard people say, I've left church and I experienced opposition. The enemy is contending for one thing, purpose, your purpose, what God has called you to do. Nehemiah right now is leaving the comfort of a cupbearer and following his purpose to rebuild what guys have been trying to do for 49 years and had failed. Now he's coming and he's trying to do this and he's getting all of this opposition, which leads me to why do we fail? Why do we feel purpose? Why do we go to camp? Why do we come to church and by Monday morning we go, well, we, we failed. First thing, you have to start small. You have to start small and where you are. How do you do something big? You start small. This is why Zechariah 4.10 says, when he, when he says, do not despise these small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. You know when the Lord rejoices? When you say, hey, right now, I'm gonna do what God has called me to do. This is when the Lord rejoices. He says, don't despise or look down on on these small beginnings, don't despise them. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be ashamed of starting something small because what the Lord wants to do, watch this. What does the Lord do? The Lord rejoices to see you make that commitment. The small step was he packed a bag. The small step was he went to the king. The small step was he evaluated the land. The small step was he got on his donkey and he traveled. The small step was he met with the leaders. The next step was he gathered the people. The next step was he shared the vision that God had given them. Now all of a sudden the people are working. You see that the wall is being built. I see 10 steps back where Nehemiah doesn't despise small beginnings. What are you gonna do today that in the end it's gonna be big, but it starts small right now? Start something right now. If you go back another step, and you can see this in chapter two, verse 17, it says he gathered all the chief officials around the priests and the nobles. And he said, you see the trouble we're in. Jerusalem lies in ruins. He took his burden and he shared that burden with other people because this is so important. When you're burdened, you have to share that burden with other people so that they can connect with that burden. Right now, there's a lot of people that are sitting in churches, sitting in, in their homes, going to work every single day, and God has burdened you. This is the reason we say, share your story. Nehemiah shared his burden with the people around him, and that burden connected to their burden, and their burden connected to the next people's burden. You have to have the faith to start. You don't have to have the faith to say, I can see that we're going to rebuild the wall. I can see what it looks like in the end. No, you just have to put, have faith to put down the first stone. You got to start somewhere. I hope this 
this speaks to someone who's procrastinated, who has said like, well, maybe one day it starts right now. It starts right now for you to say, I'm going to take the first step. And I, I encourage you, get a piece of paper right now. Write down that first step. What is what is the small beginning look like for you? What is What does it look like to... To, to keep going? What does it look like to, you know, when I look back over my life and I got saved, the first thing that I did is I started teaching fifth and sixth graders every Sunday morning. And then I, I moved on to K4 and I was in doing puppets and doing all these things. And now all of a sudden I'm a youth leader. And now all of a sudden I'm in Bible college. And now all of a sudden I'm doing an internship. And now all of a sudden I'm a youth pastor. And now all of a sudden I'm traveling. And now all of a sudden I'm in Omaha. Like all of these steps, but I trace back to sitting around with 10 to 12 fifth and sixth graders. You see where we are right now. I go back to the beginning. And even before that, when God was speaking to me at a youth convention, momentum youth convention, and he's speaking to me about things, about my life and giving my life to the Lord and allowing the Holy Spirit. You see big picture. God sees the faith to start. Some of you right now, it's the faith to start. You don't have to have the faith to, to finish. You just have to have the faith to start. And I would encourage the people that have started to keep going, to, to keep moving, to keep moving forward, to keep surrounding yourself with people. This is the reason Paul told the Galatian church, let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing. If what? If we don't give up. Some of you today, you gotta take another step, another step, another step. Some of you, you gotta start, start. And what does the Bible say? The Bible says that for 49 years, people have started to rebuild the wall and they've stopped. Enemies came and they stopped. Nehemiah puts his, his vision in front, his burden, and it says that people joined in, people, People are doing their parts. At one point it says there's a sword in one hand, there's a shovel in the other, and they're building, they're building, they're building. Opposition's coming, they're building. And it says the miracle that took place is that 52 days, 52 days, what people had tried to do for 49 years, 52 days, they accomplished the rebuilding of the wall. This is my challenge to us as a church. Those of you that are hearing my voice, 52 days from right now is February the 16th, 2022. 52 days to set your heart and your mind on freedom, on deliverance, on transformation. I'm asking you because for years you've tried to fix. You've tried to fix your marriage. You've tried to get healthy. You've tried, to, you've tried this component or this component. And I'm asking you for 52 days to do something radical. I'm asking you for 52 days to set your heart and your mind on something like you've never done before. Maybe you've done a glimpse here or a glimpse there. I'm asking you to put all of those things together, to focus in, to fix your heart, to fix your mind on whatever it is for 52 days. Even I, I've prayed, I've asked the Lord. I've said, what is it? And I've gathered people around me and these people around me are people that have are disciplined, have figured some things out, and I've said, I'm giving you my life for 52 days. I need you to hold me accountable. And again, the 52 days, some of you, 
You need to step away from something unhealthy for 52 days. Set your heart and mind on the things of the Lord. Walk away from an addiction. Walk away from alcohol. Walk away from drugs. Walk away from pornography. Fast. Pray. Do something you've never done before. Maybe something you've been unwilling to do. Join a life group. Lead a life group. Write this down. Tell someone. After 52 days, what did Nehemiah say? After 52 days, people won't recognize this place. They won't recognize that there were ruins. My heart is that after 52 days, people don't recognize you. Not just physically, but mentally, spiritually. Just like they didn't recognize Jerusalem. The enemy was confused. The enemy was out of sorts. Now all of a sudden, people had purpose. Give me a church with purpose, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. This is a call to every single one of you. 52 days starts right now. When the walls of Jerusalem were destroyed, it attacked their purpose. Now the people of Israel were walking around confused, in captivity. The walls were burned, their city was burned, and they had no purpose. So many of us walk around without purpose, whether that's an addiction, whether we're walking around with guilt and shame, regret, and we're carrying those things. So today, what I'm asking you to do for the next 52 days is to rebuild that purpose. Some of you, you need to give up on healthy things. Some of you, you need to walk away uh, from a job that's draining you. Some of you, you need to lean into that job. Some of you, you need to Determine what it is that God is speaking to you because the first thing he did was he prayed and he got a burden. What is God asking of you for these next 52 days? I'm going to pray for us right now. I'm going to ask you to pray. And in us praying, we're asking God to give us a burden. And then I'm going to ask you to come on January 2nd. And there's going to be a place for you in our well where you can write down what God is speaking to you. What is God is asking you to rebuild What is God asking you to lay down? What is God asking you to restore in your life so that after 52 days, you can say, I'm more like Jesus than I've ever been? Let's pray. God, I thank you for who you are and what you've done in 2021. I thank you that you're not done with us yet. I thank you that you have a plan and you have purpose for our life. So no matter what it is that we're burdened with, No matter what it is that you're speaking to us, God, I pray that we would spring into action. God, I pray that we would not despise these small beginnings, that we would not look down on a starting place because God, truly what you want to do is you want to rebuild, you want to reconcile, and you want to restore. And so we give you these 52 days and we ask God, would you radically change us into the son and daughter and to the prince and princess of the king that we are. Would you change your church? We give you these 52 days. In Jesus' name, amen.